You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. So as you're turning there, just a question for you. Have you ever started something and, and along the way wondered if you made the right decision? You know, you start something you're like, okay, this is a great idea. I'm going to go for this. And then somewhere along the way you go, huh, maybe I didn't think this through fully. You know, maybe it was like you signed up for a 10K and somewhere around like 3K you were like, I don't know if this was such a good idea. Right. Like you're, you're running and you're like, I think I can't feel my legs. Right. Like this might not have been the best decision. And you just in that moment of do I do I keep going or do I just, you know, reconcile the fact that I have no pride whatsoever and I'm willing to walk back to the starting line? You know, like I don't really care or ask for a ride. You know, maybe you said yes to a blind date. It sounded fun. You were like, yeah, I'm ready for that. And then you sit down and you're like, oh, what did I do? How do I get out of this? You know, you're texting somebody, hey, can you get me out of here now? Can you call me and just tell me there's an emergency somewhere? You know, I got to go see a man about a thing. You know, I don't know. I got to, sorry. Like, just somewhere along the way, what sounded like a good idea is no longer a good idea. You know, perhaps that fourth donut was a bad idea. You know, especially after the three chimichangas that you just ate, you know. Like, you're just thinking, you know, there's just certain things, you know, especially this holiday season, you know. Is there ever too much eggnog? You know, can you drink too much eggnog? I don't know. But there might be a point where you go, maybe that last cup was just, you know, too much. I mean, I've personally only drank, I think, about a gallon and a half so far. I'm working on it. Um, if anybody doesn't know, Halo Farms, best eggnog anywhere. Anybody can you get an amen? Yeah, some of you know? Okay. If you don't know, how many of you don't know what Halo Farms is? I mean, genuinely don't know what Halo Farms is. Okay. I'm just, Merry Christmas, I'm going to give you a gift. Google Halo Farms. Find it. It's down in Trenton. It's the, it's actually a dairy in Trenton and it has the best eggnog and without a doubt the best chocolate milk on the planet. Planet. It's, thank you, Joe. You know, you know. It's, it's really, it's transcendent, actually. We could, but let's just talk about this for a while. It's, no, um, it's really, really good. And I don't know that there is a point where you have too much of that. Like, I just don't know that that's possible, um, you know, but there are times in your life where you wonder if you made the right choice. And sometimes they're silly, but sometimes it's a little more serious. Sometimes, you know, you wonder, you know, should I quit my job and start that new business? You know, that dream. Should I pursue this? And you're on the fence and you go, yeah, I'm going to do it. And, and you you hand in your, you know, your resignation and it's week one and you're going, what did I do? You know, was that was that the right decision or maybe the move to a new town or, you know, something or you enter into a relationship and you're just like, I don't know. And some of you are there right now. You're in this. There's something in your life and you're just wondering, did I make the right decision? Um, earlier, I think Nick actually said it. We live in a land of limited sight. You know, there's only so much that we can know um, in our everyday life. You know, m- most of our life is actually unknowable. You don't know anything about tomorrow. You really don't know most about today. You've got a plan. 
you have an idea, a thought, right? But you don't really know how it's going to go. And as much as we try to find the right road, we have this nagging fear that maybe we're not on it. Like, I think I'm on the right road. I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but maybe this, maybe this isn't it. And listen, there's a lot of smart people in this room. I can tell just by looking. There's a lot of really smart people because you can tell those things from the outside. Um, but there are an infinite number of circumstances and factors outside of your control, no matter how smart you are, no matter how wise you are, no matter how much money you have. Um, it's actually laughable how little we know about the future, right? Like, we, we, we just don't have any idea how things are going to go. And so we do our best. What happens is we do our best to discern the road in front of us and say, hopefully, I think, I think this is on the right. So, like, now we have GPS that kind of tells us, you know, when you're driving. How many of you remember Trip Tick? From Triple A, remember Triple A used to send you, like you said, I want to go do a, I want to do a trip, and you would tell them where you're going to leave and where you're going to go, and they would send you like this foldable map that you would kind of open in the car, and it'd be huge, and it would tell you the steps of what you should do, right? But it didn't account for traffic, and it didn't, and it's just like this is what, and so you'd be looking at the map, and you're like, I think this is the right road, right? And you're looking, remember, you remember driving by maps, you know, kids, you have no idea. What it was like in the dark ages, but we were actually like trying to follow a map. And you think, I think this is the road that's going to get me there. Where's John? John Scamenti's here. John, John drives for a, the, the U.S. Mail Service, and John was a truck driver for a long time. And John's got this innate map. Like, forget GPS. He just knows, I'm pretty sure, this road's going to end up there. And he's probably never even been on it. He just knows. There's this innate knowledge of roads. It's just, it's a gift. And there are times where you think, you know, I know I'm on the right road. And you get to a point, and you're like, nope. This was not it. Right? I remember driving somewhere when we were, Nikki was in the van. We were driving somewhere in Ohio, and we were going from one camp to another camp. We were on a traveling music team with our college, and we were driving. It was like, this is great. This is, we're, we're going from one camp to another place somewhere in Ohio. And I remember that we had to stop because there was just a flood. Like, the road was just ended, <laughs> and there was just water. And we didn't have triptych, and we didn't have GPS, and so we just drove for like hours. Actually, I wasn't even old enough to drive the school van, so I'm just sitting in the back seat going, this is terrible. You know, I know that the guy who was driving had no idea where he's going, and we're just wandering. Uh, and it was, it was painful. Um, King Solomon said that those who walk in the dark have no idea what they are stumbling over. They just don't even know. Like, you just, you just can't figure it out. And as we're sitting here today in a church, you know, and you're going to a church service, I'd love to offer you some hope. But the reality is that our relationship with God doesn't necessarily cure our walking in the dark. Um, I began a personal relationship with Jesus when I was a child. My parents were pastors, so I grew up in the church, literally like on the, you know, in pews. Like that was my life growing up. I've been doing, I've been learning about who God is and what life is about for decades Right? I have a degree in the Bible. Like, I've been studying this stuff. I've got a master's degree in ministry, right? And, and this stuff, I, I've studied Hebrew and Greek. Like, we've looked at this stuff. And I, let me tell you, like, right now, um, there are some parts of my life where I am just as much in the dark as I have ever been. There's still so much of this life that I just don't understand. So, I have to go on faith. And faith um, essentially means I just trust God, that he's got it. But the reality is I have no idea how this is going to go. Um, so I just 
want to encourage you today that if you are a person of faith, it will not eliminate uncertainty in your life at all. <laughs> Isn't that fun? This is great. Merry Christmas, everybody. You're going to just have a life of darkness and uncertainty. And hey, you know, God doesn't help. Um, no, that's not the message. But the reality is that faith doesn't eliminate my uncertainty. Hebrews tells us that faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the, insur- the assurance of what we don't see. So essentially, faith just embraces uncertainty. It actually demands uncertainty. It, it demands darkness. Like, I'm going to walk in the dark. Um, there's this gap between what I know for sure, like this is what I know that I know, and this is what I hope for, and in between is this enormous gap. We've all got it, right? This is what you know about life, and this is what you're kind of hoping is true about life. And in between is the stuff that you can't prove, and it's just sort of this hope. And that's called, that, that space is occupied by what we call faith. Faith just assumes a gap. Does that make sense? All right. And here lies the problem, because the gap between what I know and what I hope leaves room for me to be wrong. There's a space between what I know and what I hope, and I could be wrong with what I'm hoping for. There's the possibility that I am totally lost and hopelessly off course. (laughs) Again, this is getting better, I know. Um, There are some of you here who have no idea if you are making the right decision about faith. You think you're hoping that God is real. And you know what you know, and you're showing, I think there's a God out there somewhere, but there's this huge gap between what I know and what I hope for, and it leaves room for me to be wrong. And I hope God is who he says he is, but I'm not sure. There's part of you that wonders, what if this is going to lead me to a dead end? What if this is a wild goose chase? What if this is all for nothing? What if when I get to the end of this journey, I'm going to find out that I've been on the wrong road the whole time? And if that's you today... I'm so glad you're here. Like, I'm really glad that you're here um, because the story that we're about to read is for you. A hundred percent. And I invite you to listen to the story of Jesus' birth as told by Matthew. And I promise it's going to connect as we pick it up. Remember, Liz read just a little bit of it. The the wise men have been journeying, come to a point where they wondered if this if they'd made the right decision. Um, and how they handle it just might give us some guidance in our own life. So listen in. I'm going to read again. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. See, now these wise men are astrologers. Remember last year, we don't remember any of this, but we had done some study, for those of you who were here. They most likely didn't believe in the God of Israel. They didn't really believe in that, but they're just star people. They love the stars. They study this. This is what they do. This is their world. And they study. They saw this star, and it held significance spiritually for them, mystically. They said, oh, that's going to mean something. So they, they kind of follow this star, and it leads them to the palace of King Herod. And here they say, I don't know where to go. They actually walk into the palace of King Herod and say, we're lost. We've been following this star and it led us here and we don't know where to go next. I wonder if they felt like this sense of concern at at that point that maybe this wasn't like the wisest idea. We left home. we, We set out. We're in a distant country. And great. Great. Now we don't know how to find this, you know, infant king that we've been looking for. 
So they're in a foreign country already having invested significant resources and they don't know where to go next. Um, I can hear them maybe saying to each other, like, you should have brought the map. Right. Or I thought you said you knew how to read the stars. I thought you, sh- you were sure this was going to lead us where we're supposed to go. And now we're in a, in, in a palace of a king and he's just going like, what are you talking about? They're like, where's this king? And the king doesn't even know what we're talking about. Like, we're lost. And King Herod, verse three, says he was deeply disturbed when he heard this, when he heard their question, as was everyone in Jerusalem. What do you mean there's a king being born? I'm the king. He's, he says he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Because he doesn't have any idea. In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And he goes back many years ago. It says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, this is a prophecy many years prior, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. Because Bethlehem was kind of a small little town. He says, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. So Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. He's trying to gauge how old, you know, what's going on here. And he tells him, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. Now, we have what's called hindsight bias. We know how this story ends. We know that Herod actually doesn't want to go worship Jesus. He wants to go kill him. Because he's threatened by him, right? So he just says, hey, yeah, you go find him and let me know when you find him. And that way I can go worship him too. Um, and I find it fascinating here. It's just something every year, I've read this story how many times, and every year I learn something new. But Herod helped the wise men find Jesus. Like, he's the one who guided them to Bethlehem. Think about it. They're lost. They're sitting here in a palace with a king who hates Right. And he was fearful and threatened by what they're looking for. And Herod actually helps them. Without Herod, the wise men probably don't find Jesus. Right. Like it's possible. Right? We don't know. But of all the people in Jerusalem, the one guy least likely to help them is the one who steers them to Jesus. And I just think Herod wanted to harm. And he ends up helping. I'm going to throw this one in for free. This is really not the message for the morning, but I think it's too, too good to, to leave out. Perhaps you're on a journey of faith. You're trying to walk through life and you feel like there are people in your life who are out to harm you. God is so good, he can actually use them to help you. Just want to say that. And not only that, you actually might need the people that are in your life that are trying to harm you. Because without them, you can't get where you need to go. I'm certain the wise men actually thanked Herod for his direction and genuinely meant it. They were genuinely grateful for Herod. And this guy had terrible intentions. Can you imagine thanking God for the people that mean you harm? Just think of the people in your life that you know mean you harm. Can you imagine being thankful for them? Because it's actually... God's so good that he uses them for your good. God, let's just say, God, thank you for the haters. Thank you for the haters. Okay. Verse 9 says, After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which is what any mother wants for her baby. 
And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So here's what you need to know this morning. Here's the big statement for the morning. For those who live in the land of darkness, for those who are concerned, confused, who you've got what I know and what I hope, and you're in the gap and you're in between, here's what you need to know, okay? Very simply, your journey to Jesus will be worth it. Your journey to Jesus is going to be worth it. For some of you right now, the journey is hard. Where you are right now, you're going, I just am struggling. I feel lost. You've wrestled with faith every step of the way. Maybe you've doubted constantly if you're on the right road. You questioned why I believe this. Do I believe this? Can I believe this? You wonder where God is. God, I'm, I'm in a palace for the king who wants to kill you. I don't even understand. Like, like life doesn't seem like, like I'm trying to find God and it feels like I'm finding everything but him. Maybe you're lost and disoriented. You're trying as hard as you can to follow the star and you've searched high and low for a sign that you're on the right path and you've used all your maps and you've used all your GPS and you've used all the wisdom that you have and you just don't know where to go next. It's been a grind and maybe even this morning you asked yourself, is it even worth going to church? Why am I even doing this? If the gap between your hope and And what you know seems to be widening. Please hear this. Your journey to Jesus is going to be worth it. That hope will not lead to disappointment. Think about the wise men, right? You know what they did? They just kept walking. It's very simple. They just kept walking. They were tired and they kept walking. They were lost and they kept looking. They were unsure and they kept going. Here's what is promised about perseverance to us. Jesus said this. He said, keep on asking and you're going to receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you're going to find. Keep on knocking and the door is going to be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened after months and months of a long, hard wandering journey. The wise men found Jesus and it says they were filled with. With joy. Jesus is joy. Maybe you're here today and you're going, I don't have a whole lot of joy in my life. I'm in a dark place and I'm wandering and I'm trying to find it. And it just feels like this is pointless and hopeless and joy. And let me tell you. The journey to Jesus is going to be worth it. Because Jesus always means joy. Always means joy. You may not think he's what you're looking for, but I promise you he's the only thing you need. Psalm 40, verse 16, King David says, May all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. For those who look for you, they will be filled with joy. Proverbs tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. This is what I'm hoping for and that I haven't found it yet. My heart is sick about it. You ever, you ever wait for something and you're waiting and you're waiting and you, and you actually get heart sick because you've been waiting for something to materialize for far too long. My college roommate, one of my best friends, waited for a wife. Those who know him, for years and years and years. I, I had the privilege to do their wedding two years ago. He was 40 when he got married, right? And he waited and waited, and, and I can tell you he was heart sick 
for years waiting. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but that's a comma after that. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, comma, but desire realized, desire found is sweet to the soul. New Living Translation that we use actually says it's a tree of life. Hmm. Hmm. You think I like that? When you search and fight and persevere for something and find it, joy. You know, some of you are like, any yard sailors? You got some yard sale people, you know, you like to go hunting. Maybe treasure hunters. Okay, some of you are shoppers. Maybe you like to shop, you know, and you, but you know, you are bargain hunters, right? You will not, you don't just buy off the rack. You hunt and look for a sale and you will spend days and weeks looking for the right thing. But when you find that thing, oh, joy, because I'm hunting and hunting and I'm searching and I'm believing that it's out there. And nobody else, everybody else is settling for this, but I believe there's better. And I keep walking and I keep walking and I keep walking. And eventually there comes the day where you find it and you show up and there it is. And you've been walking in your palaces and over deserts and mountains and valleys and rivers and days and nights. And you're running out of food. And then you show up and there is Jesus in the house. Joy. It was worth it. It was worth it. I'm going to tell you, your journey to Jesus will always be worth it. And it will always end in joy. So what? So what? What does that mean practically? What do we actually do about that? I think the first step is just honesty. Can we just admit, is it okay to admit that we walk in the dark? Is it okay to say that I don't understand so much about this life and not not pretend like, hey, I've got God in my life. I get it all. No, you don't. There's probably nothing more frustrating to me than a Christian who thinks that they understand everything. No, you know God. You are not God. God knows everything. We know so little. The only thing that's different about us is we've got faith that covers the gap. But I still live in the land of I know nothing. I just believe in the God who knows everything. But I'm in the gap and faith just covers it. But I'm walking in the dark. That's the reality. So can we just step one, be honest and say, I don't understand. I don't understand why there are school shootings. I don't understand why there's pain. I don't understand why good people get cancer. I don't understand why hard things happen. I don't understand all of that stuff. I don't get it. And the life of faith doesn't necessarily clarify it all for me. I live in the tension of the unknown. Is this real? This is what we do. I don't get it. Step one, just be honest. But step two has to follow. Saying, God, help me. God, help me. Because I'm in the dark and I want to quit and there are days I don't want to keep walking because I'm stumbling over things and I don't even know what I'm stumbling over. God, I need you to illuminate at least the next step for me. I may not understand everything, but you, can you give me something to go on today? Help me shine a little light here. And I promise you that if you ask God to shine some light, God wants you to find Him and believe in Him more than you want to believe in Him. 
The God who is light, who spoke light into being. Revelation tells us that at the end of time, when we get to heaven, there's no need for a sun or a solar system for light because he is the light. He just emanates and makes everything bright. There is no night there because he is the eternal day. Our God is wrapped in light, robed in light, explodes with light, such light that our eyes can't contain it. If you ask God to shine a little light, Listen, he sneezes, right? And the world explodes with electricity. Like God's got light in spades. He's good for it. He can guide astrologers who have never even heard his name and don't know where he is to his doorstep. He led them by a single star. People who didn't even know who didn't even know they were looking for him. And then at the end of the story, they're now listening to God speaking and warning them about Herod because now they have met something. Something has happened. God can help you if you want to find him. If you're in that space, just say, God, help. One, I admit I'm walking in the dark, but two, would you help? Help. Help me keep walking through the dark. And that's point number three. You walk through the dark. You don't walk in the dark. It's a small little word change, but it makes a difference. You don't just stay perpetually in the dark. You walk through the dark. You are in the land of darkness, walking to the land of light. You walk through the darkness. Just keep walking. If you are in a place and you're going, I don't understand it. I don't know if I can do it. The best advice I can give you this morning is this. Just keep walking Perseverance, endurance. They say by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Just keep walking. Believe in something better. And don't quit on it. I love this. This is one of my favorite passages. I share this often with people. Proverbs chapter 4. Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived. God said, I'll give you anything in the world. What do you want? And he said, I want wisdom. I want to get life. So God says, I will grant you that and more. One of the richest men in history. But but Solomon, this wise man, said this. The way of the righteous, the way of those who follow God, is like the first gleam of dawn. I rarely see dawn. I'm a night owl. I'm really not even awake yet. I just don't do mornings. So people are like, hey, you want to get up and see the sunrise? What are cameras for? Like That's why we take pictures. Google sunrises. There's thousands of them. I don't need to see it personally. Right. But some of you love sunrises. But you. So if you've ever been there, I don't know personally, but if you've ever been there when sun, when it's dawn, first gleam of dawn, it's just it's dark. But there's a the sky just starts to change a little bit. The color starts to slowly change. Right. I only know this because I've seen sunset, and so I just do that in reverse. I just figure that's what it's like. Um, it says, the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, just a little bit. But it says, it shines ever brighter till the full light of day. You start off, and it's like, this is really dark. But I think I see something. I think I see a little glimmer. And it says, as you keep walking, putting one foot in front of the other... You know what happens? It gets brighter. And it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until you need sunglasses because it's the full light of day. We are living in the land of darkness. 
But for those who live in darkness, a light will shine. It gets brighter. So just keep walking. Sometimes the most spiritual, the most powerful thing you can do is just keep going. I don't understand it. I'm in the dark. God help. And the only thing I know to do is just keep walking. I'm in Herod's palace. He said it's over there. I don't even know if I can trust this guy. But I'm just going to keep walking. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You know what jumps out at me about that? The simple phrase, you don't have to walk in darkness. That's a choice. We actually get to choose. We are all in the dark. All of us. But we get to choose if we want to stay there. And the only way out of the darkness is to keep walking. Because if you stay, it stays dark. But if you will walk and follow Jesus, that is the light, it's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. And I love this. It says, the wise men saw a great light and it caused them to leave the familiar confines of home, journey to a distant land with only the hope that there was something worth finding and they just kept walking. And eventually they come to Jerusalem to a king who is secretly hostile. He guides them to Bethlehem. They found a town. They find a home, a young family, a small child, and they knew in that moment this was worth it. See, there's going to come a day where the star that you've been following this light that you've been walking to where it stops. Because the star, it says, stopped over the house. Over the home. There's going to come a day where you're going to see Jesus face to face. If you will keep walking, I promise you, that's the end of the story. That's where it leads. You will come to Jesus face to face. Filled overflowing, abundant with joy. Think about the most joyful day you've ever had. What was the happiest day of your life where you were just like nothing was going to ruin it? Let me tell you, <laughs> this past week was a great week for our family personally. Uh, my sister, some of you know her story, my younger sister, she's uh, fostering to adopt. Um, and part of her story is it's been a long journey. It's just the courts are... Let me tell you, it's a hard thing. It's been over two years of just waiting and waiting for this little child. But along the way, another child entered the picture un unexpectedly that was offered to her. Say, hey, would you like to have another child? Because she can't have kids. And so they were able to adopt. And this past week, we got to go to the Burlington County Courthouse with our family and watch as my sister adopted little Jesse Bennett Lane. Awesomest kid. He was he was born like in March, I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, year of multiplication. She was hoping for one. God gave her two. Come on. That's really good stuff. And it was a really, really good day. And it was awesome. And we had our family together. We went back to their church afterwards and had some pizza and some good times. Just hanging out and gotten to hear the story and just talking. He was there. And while they were there, my sister, if you don't know her, she's a klutz. She's the youngest. She's seven years younger than me. Like perpetual klutz. And uh, her phone is, you know, like 
iPhones, it takes about 10 minutes for her to break them. Like, she's just, that's, like, she doesn't even try fixing them anymore. Like, when she was a kid, she wore glasses. The people at Pearl Vision in the Quaker Bridge Mall, would, she would walk in, they go, oh, hi, Mel. Because they had that, you know, free, you know, you know, if you broke them, they repair them. I mean, it was like monthly. She would break her glasses. You know, her, her line was like, I did it again. Right? Like, so on this day, it was a great day. And she wanted to take a picture, so she borrowed her husband's phone. No joke. Like, her phone is shattered, but his is good until it hit her hands. Yeah, she dropped it, shattered his phone. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, listen, man, nothing's going to spoil your joy today. It's a phone, but you just got a miracle in your hands. And he knew it. And he said, listen, nothing's going to ruin my day. He's like, I'm trying not to pay attention to the fact that my phone is shattered right now, you know. But the joy that comes with following Christ and finding him makes everything else melt away. All the pain, all the frustration, all the struggle, the hardship, all the time spent in the dark becomes a distant memory. Because the journey to Jesus is always worth it. And when you get there, you don't say, man, this was good, but I'm not sure. No, it's always worth it. You won't regret a moment. So, at this time, I'm going to pray. We're going to dismiss, right now, we're going to dismiss those who are getting baptized to go uh, get themselves prepared and get ready. Um, so if they can uh, head on out, uh, they know what they're doing. So we're going to dismiss them. Uh, I'm going to call up the band. They're going to come on up. And we're going to close our service this morning with baptism. And baptism is awesome. Baptism, very simply, is a, a declaration of a choice. It's saying, I believe God is who he says he is. And I'm just committing to walk through my darkness. I'm expressing my hope, but I want everybody to know that I'm not ashamed of what he's done in my life. I tell you, God is in the business of changing lives. This isn't like just a nice thing to add to your life, like church is something to go to, and faith is good to have as a mix-in, you know, like I like music, I like to eat, I have a little faith. You know, it's not like that. This is the foundation of everything. Because God is in the business of changing your life. And I'm just going to say, if you don't expect a relationship with God to transform who you are, you've set your expectations far too low. He's in the change business. And today is a celebration that he is still changing lives. You're going to hear just briefly their stories and they're going to share and just say, listen, God's changed me. And I just want you to know he's still changing lives and he can change yours. It's testimony. It's an encouragement. So the band's going to play, going to, going to play for a minute. I want to encourage you, as, as they do, would you just consider your own life? Maybe today you just need to say, God, I'll admit it for the first time. I'm in the dark. I thought I had to pretend and God, I don't see. I don't get it. Maybe you're angry about it and frustrated about it and say, God, I'm in the dark. It's so, so dark. Could you give me just a little bit of light? So as they play, would you just do business with God and just have a conversation? Maybe he won't talk back. Maybe he will, you know. I promise he's listening. Would you just say, God, help me. Help me. I need a little bit of light. Because I don't feel like I need to keep walking. I I, want to give up. Would you just 
let God speak to you for just a moment. They're going to sing. And then in just a minute, the screen will go up and we'll, we'll move on. So would you just take a few moments and respond today to what you feel like God's saying to you? Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com or on Facebook and Instagram at wearelifetree.com.